live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. Two on one, shorthanded. Watt with Stevenson. Watt closing. Finds Stevenson. He cuts. He scores. Stevenson puts it home on the backhand. From center, Watt banks it in toward Colasar. It's a giveaway. Carrier towards the net. He scores. Chips it home on the backhand. Vegas leads 5-1 with 9.46 to go in the second period. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. little louder this time. Five o'clock hour is here. Willie Ramirez, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. Cofield on the road in San Diego getting ready for a UNLV football game tomorrow right here on ESPN Las Vegas. 3.30 with the pregame, the Learfield pregame. Four o'clock with the kickoff. If you're looking for uh, good previews of the game and lots of UNLV talk, you can go up to the Twitter account at UNLV All Access, at UNLV All Access and Bunch of podcasts up there and interviews with uh, multiple players. Tiger Shanks talked to him a little earlier this week. The right tackle for the Rebels. Uh, a little later on, we'll post a convo with one of the defensive linemen, Darius Johnson. Darius Johnson. Willie Ramirez. What's up, Willie? I just retweeted a tweet. Um, are you kidding me right now? Is this your view? Is this what you're looking at? It's unreal, isn't it? I... I I'm just we'll describe little, it. To, describe it to the audience who aren't up on Twitter and little pissed that I wasn't invited to do the show down there. I had to be here. I mean, not that I next time dislike my view here at Treasure Island, but I mean, I'm looking at it. Looks like a marina with the skyline of San Diego. A lot of b- nice blue, meaning the wow, very nice Beautiful. view, Steve. Yeah. Beautiful. You're Tell down us, there, right? See it? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Beautiful city. Beautiful city. All right, headlines. At 5 o'clock. Let's start off with yes. Bryson Stott and Bryce Harper. Oh, oh boy. This team has run into the buzzsaw with the Astros. And unless they come out of it, like, now, today's the day off. But they have to come out of this immediately or they're going to be finished off pretty rapidly. Um, sucks. The, the uh, bats go quiet. They got no hit uh, the other day. Uh, rough time right now for our Las Vegas Phillies. Yeah, it is. It's rough. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, you could sit here and try to pinpoint little things that they're doing when you talk about the Las Vegas Phillies, right? Harper and Stott. I mean, Harper was hit by a pitch as they were trying to rally. Stott battle off some pitches and, and walked. He, I don't think he, he's still hitless in the World Series, but he's had some, as they said on the broadcast, you know, he's had some impressive at bats. But overall, this has been a team that's been known as, t- as a team with timely hitting. Some power hitting with cer- with certain guys, and they're just when they're up at, when they've been up against it in in an advantageous situation on their field, they failed miserably, and you cannot do that against this team. You you know you needed to take two out of three at home, considering what you did in the earlier rounds. Now to win two on the road against that rotation with the way that the team has been 
on offense, including getting no hit for the second time this season, uh, it's it's a little disheartening. Um, the Astros have failed the Phillies hitless for 11 innings dating to Game 3, matching the longest streak in any postseason set by the New York Yankees. Philadelphia hitters were 0 for 36 in that span. Uh, rough, rough, rough. Not rough. VGK. I mean, last night's game was a bit uneven as uh, Ottawa threatened a little bit later in the game, but VGK jumped out to a big lead. They win again. They're now 10-2 and two with three more games left on this northeast road swing. They got Montreal tomorrow, the Leafs on Tuesday, the Sabres on Thursday, and there's some really good stories on this team. Obviously, Logan Thompson is one of the, the great stories. The defense has been amazing. And then there's Alec Martinez, part of that defense, and you know we'll, we'll call it a comeback, right? I mean, he's still coming back from a, just a horrendous facial laceration. Yeah, and I, I, I'm pretty grateful for the fact that he opened up uh, opening day of training camp and then one time in the locker before they went on this road trip. You know, and some private conversations. And he there were a couple of things he asked me to leave out of the story. There's still It's still very tough for him to talk about. A couple of reasons. One is it just sort of rehashes a very traumatizing time for him that, you know, he got descriptive with me off the record about mm. the injury itself, how deep and what he went through. So I left part of it out so it doesn't sort of rehash some painful memories and what he still has to go through, but also because he doesn't want to be in the spotlight with this, you know, overcoming it. He's like, hey, I'm back, I'm playing, I'm happy, I'm content. And the way I explained to him, I was like, look, Alec, I get it, but it's not your style. Like last year when they nicknamed him Warrior, he didn't want that nickname. He just, it's his style. The the thing is, what I told him is, look, nobody's going to go through this injury maybe in this era again with what you dealt with in, when he describes it. But there could be somebody that goes through something that's weighing on their mind and they need inspiration to bounce back from that. And he understood. I said, that's why I kind of want to tell your story in that, and what you're doing. He's leading the league in block shots. When I mean, when you go through what you, what he went through, you know, and you're right. back to playing the way that you're used to playing, which is you know getting in front of pucks and blocking them. I mean, it's pretty impressive. And his teammates had a lot of positive things to say. Mark Stone struggling to walk up and down the press box last year at times with that back injury, nerves pinching on there, and then he had the disectomy. Um, you know, he said he even said, you know, yeah, we were struggling. We had the same frustration of missing games, but when you look at what he was going through. It's totally different. He said it was the most gruesome injury that he'd ever seen in his NFL or NHL career. Let's turn our attention to another week in the National Football League. One of the stories of the week, Willie. Miami Dolphins. And these record-setting numbers being put up by Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell and Tua at the helm. And by the way... Uh, that offense has been picked up pretty quickly, hasn't it? We just talked last hour about Darren Waller saying, you know, Josh McDaniels' offense has been a little bit difficult for some people to pick up. Meanwhile, another first-year head coach has walked in and put together an offense that suits his quarterback, suits his weapons, and they are freaking humming along here. And this week, they had a big week, adding Bradley Chubb and then extending him to a $110 million deal and adding another quality running back in Jeff Wilson. The Dolphins are a hot story right now in the National Football League. They are. I mean, their offense ranks seventh overall. Passing game ranks third overall. Their scoring is right there in the middle, but you balance it out with a decent defense. I mean, 
they're fun to watch if you really think about it. I mean, Tua's coming off one of the best games of his career. Not this season, of his career. 29-36 passes, 382 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. 138.7 passer rating, highest in a single game during his career. I mean, this is becoming a fun team, and what makes it fun is the thought of challenging Buffalo for the AFC East, wondering what's going to go on with the New England Patriots. Are they going to continue maybe to improve? Where I mean, the AFC East is becoming a fun division where we really didn't know what to expect, and now you add in the Jets. So the fact that all four could be competitive, uh, I like it. I like it. I like what I'm seeing. Another big story this week. No, another big story right now is the picture you just tweeted out, you clown. Wait, what? Uh, Wait, what? I just retweeted another one. <laughs> You, what are you staying down? What are you on Fremont Street? Downtown? What uh, is that? A vacant well, yard I, with I, cracked I, I asphalt? To, this looks like. Jesus, what are you back in Jersey? I wanted to tweet out something very scenic from San Diego to point out that, hey, we're doing the show from the San Diego area and Treasure Island. So I had a picture of the harbor that I tweeted out. And then, well, I gave it a little update with uh, some views front and back of the hotel that I'm staying at right now to do the show. It's it's not as it's not as glamorous. The view is not as nice. It's okay. That whole thing, and I complimented you and teased yeah. and back. I hope bed bugs go into your crotch. <laughs> that is actually Broadway, in one of my favorite cities, Chula Vista. I have friends in Chula Vista who used to work here. We used to work together here at the Review Journal, Murray Anderson. Yes. Uh, can I tell you the thing I'm happiest about with this hotel right now? Because I will be switching hotels later on to something a little nicer. Um, I'm big when I go on the road uh, being near a convenience store. Okay. And, like, in the parking lot of this hotel is a 7-Eleven. Oh, nice. I remember when Jordan competed in a, co- in a bodybuilding competition in San Diego, and we saw, like, every other corner we went through, you know, because San Diego, you, you're in a main area with businesses and all of a sudden you disappear you're in a residential district in the suburb yep. and it's like that there's convenience stores everywhere we found ourselves yeah, yeah. so I, yeah, I know, you know exactly we, what you're talking about you know we do the UNLV broadcaster bites uh, food podcast and we talk about the uh, vittles as we call them the vittles and drinks okay. on the road around the mountain west and beyond is how we slug it um, Chula Vista the main drag has so many good Mexican restaurants so yeah. I was like yeah, let me let me you know let me look up TripAdvisor and see which ones are are rated well. Uh, went to one for lunch. Okay. Oh, boy. Very average. Very oh. average. And then the ride back, I'm looking. I'm like, there's eight places. Eight places that I could have picked instead of the place I went to. Do so I need I to, to a send place. a text message to get yeah. where you need to go so by the end of the show you have a spot? Okay. Right. Um, yeah, I went to a place, got a Chili Verde, and not bad, just kind of ordinary. Meat was a little tough, Willie. A little tough. Your partner in crime's headed that way. Maybe he knows yes. some, some places. Uh, he knows San Diego as well as anyone. So Raiders getting set up for this game against the Jaguars, Willie. Yeah. And by the way, we have that broadcaster bites. We'll have a recap of the San Diego trip up in the middle of next week. There's an edition up that we posted a little while ago about the, uh, the preview of San Diego. Raiders getting ready for the Jags. This could be a tricky game. Trevor Lawrence, I'm not going to say he's boom or bust. He has made a lot of mistakes this year, so that's the first thing. God, it would be nice for Chandler Jones to play like Chandler Jones and put a little pressure, help out Max Crosby, and get Trevor Lawrence 
on the move. Are you worried a little bit about the Raiders' pass defense against Trevor Lawrence? I am um, because I think that Jacksonville has – hold on one second here. I, I have to grab my microphone off the stand. I was I was texting my Chula Vista contact. Um, Important stuff. I well, need yeah. my food hookups. You requested. I, I, I deliver. I need my um, food hookups. Where When we've seen – this like it's been spotty, but we've seen flashes of what this team is capable of doing with Trevor Lawrence. And this is a gamer. This is a kid. You know, he may be young, but he's a competitor, and he he's a winner. He he competes to win. And if he can, he's a he's a very smart quarterback. So if he can read defenses that struggled, and as we just spoke to Mark McMillan. Um, previously about, you know, that pass defense in the secondary. You know, this is a team, like I said, that has put up some numbers. You know, they, they put 310 yards passing against the Giants. They put nearly 300 up uh, two weeks prior to that. They they passed for, you know, decent amounts. They went to L.A. and won that game 38-10, to 10, regardless of the circumstances. So he is very capable on his home field of beating a vulnerable Raiders team Steve, that we've seen defensively maybe start to digress. I mean, realistically, it it hasn't shown that it can be dominating against a team that, that, that gets after it. We saw it fail in the second half against the Cardinals, went on the road in Tennessee, couldn't do much. Of course, Derrick Henry ran, ran wild. The Monday night game against Kansas City, last week against the Saints. So with a balanced effort, you know, we talk about what the balanced effort did for Derek Carr and the Raiders. I can see the same thing happening here, especially if Trevor Lawrence uses his backs for screen passes and he gets his play action set up. It, it, this can be a dangerous offense. They better go in thinking and playing like this, like they're going to play the Chiefs again. Not that they're going to play one of the worst teams in football record-wise because on paper, this is a team to reckon with. Tomorrow at 9 a.m., it's Throw the Flag with Willie Ramirez and Gooch, live from the Treasure Island, right here on ESPN Las Vegas. I think throughout OTAs and throughout training camp, we could see the potential that we had um, as a team, offensively and defensively. We're not afraid to talk about Super Bowls here. Um, We're not afraid to talk about going to a playoff game, um, having the opportunity to, to go to one, and then, you know, hopefully winning one. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. And the Dolphins have overtaken the content on the show. When our buddy Adam Hill is on, he's now a big Dolphins fan because he swore off the Bills, which is amazing. He switched in the AFC East. And we bring that up around him, then he's like, oh, I'm not, not a fan. But he loves Mike McDaniel, so he loves what the – Dolphins are doing, and we all love T-Pain, right? We love, we absolutely love T-Pain. Willie Ramirez, Steve Cofield here on this Friday. We're about 10 minutes away from talking to Stanford Routes, former Oakland Raider cornerback. And I wonder if Stanford is going to be freaking out like the rest of us or if he's going to tell us to calm down with the panicking. I don't know how you look at this in calm fashion. They're two and five. They're coming off a shutout and looked horrendous, horrendous on offense. Tomorrow, Willie Ramirez, Gooch, 
live show again at Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. You can go over for breakfast, watch the uh, college games. They got the uh, full menu for lunch and dinner. Uh, also take advantage of the Bloody Mary pitchers, bottomless mimosas. The featured breakfast items are chicken chilaquiles, breakfast sandwich. Uh, that's not the same thing. Breakfast sandwich and then there's chicken chilaquiles. Breakfast meat lovers quesadilla and also chorizo con papas. Breakfast bowl, chorizo con papas. Breakfast bowl. It's all inside Treasure Island. 55 plus TVs. Gigantic bar. The sports book is right there. The kiosk to bet run 24-7. So get on down any day of the week and check out Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Willie G. Ramirez or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. It's time for former Oakland Raider and NFL insider Stanford Routes on Cofield and Company. All right, checking in on the uh, Raiders and our Raiders insider, former Oakland Raider Stanford Route is with us. You know, I'm just going to start out with the Saints game and h- how did that happen? H- how do you get shut out against the number 31 uh, defense in terms of scoring in the NFL. This league is week to week. It's Sunday to Sunday, Thursday to Thursday, and all of that. And I mean, you look, look last year, if I would have told you that Tom Brady, you know, Tom Brady, that guy, uh, along with Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and everybody they have on offense, if I would have told you they would have got shut out on Sunday night football last year by the New Orleans Saints, you probably wouldn't have believed me. And, you know, whenever you get shut out by a team, honestly, it shows more about your ineptitude as a, as a team than it does their greatness. Because with the way that the rules are set up, you know how hard it is to get shut out with the offensive, with the, with the rules skewed toward the offense versus against the defense. That to me right there, you can lose the game. But to be shut out where you don't even put a point on the board, that just really speaks to uh, a lot of the ineptitude within that coaching staff, the offense, the team, just in general. Yeah, you know, I, I want to get on Derek Carr, but we're finding out on uh, Thursday that he might be dealing with a back. I think a lot of it's play calling, and you come out of a game, you got five targets, one catch for Devontae Adams. You only got ten carries for Jacobs. And I just – all week I've been talking about it. I don't get the whole Jacobs thing because he was so productive. This was not a game, Stanford, where you were blown out throughout. It was a slow build to get to the 24 nothing. You have to be patient, don't you? Keep giving the monster the ball. Keep giving your 140-yard running back the three previous games touches. Yes, that is obviously very true, but the thing is is that once you actually get into a game and then once you once you mess around here and you get down very early, you get down 10-0, something like that. That's when obviously offensive coordinators they get out of their game plan. They get out of their rhythm where now all of a sudden they start to want to throw the ball. They get to the point where now they feel like they got to hurry up to get back into the game. So you look right here at the game. Obviously, it was 7-0 after the first quarter. Then now it's 17-0 after, at, at halftime. So just off of that alone, as an offensive coordinator, you now feel like, okay, I need to not abandon the run game but lean heavier on the pass. And now you become one-dimensional. You get away from what you've been doing well over the last several weeks, which has actually enabled you to win some games uh, over that stretch. And that's why, like I said, just getting out to an early lead, it takes the offensive coordinator. It takes them out of their mindset. It takes them out of their rhythm, even for the defensive coordinator. Now he feels that he's got to blitz a little bit more. He's got to go ahead and protect field position. Now let them get in field goal range, call a few more blitzes, maybe a little bit cover zero in the back end with no safety help, things like that. So anytime a team is able to get out to a lead and blanking a team early on where they can't even get off the schneid, it takes the coordinators out of their rhythm. 
I still think you got to stick to your, your game plan and you can't lose track of things. And I don't know. I'm starting to think, uh, you know, a point I brought up about uh, worries with Nate Hackett before the season, the Denver coach, that it's hard to be the OC and the head coach. And I didn't think it would be too much for Josh McDaniels, but I think it, it might be too much because focus is being lost. And then the other confusing thing is, Stanford, we look around the league. We got new head coaches, Kevin O'Connell in Minnesota, elevating that offense and yeah. Kirk Cousins. Mike McDaniel, my God, elevating. Yeah, Miami. Yeah. And McDaniels has come in here, and Derek Carr has gone from like a consistent top 14 guy. Now he's the PFF rated number 25 quarterback in football. What the hell? <laughs> and I, I, I go ahead and I probably put that in the same category as Russell Wilson and uh, and, and uh, Nathaniel Hackett just because it's their first year together. So give them a little bit more time, uh, you know, give it th- give it throughout the season. Let's go into the offseason, the first part of next season, before we just automatically condemn somebody's, okay, you know what, they're no good, they can't play. Maybe they just simply, it's taking time to go ahead and bud this relationship and mesh them together because you already know, as the play caller and the star quarterback, that has to be a simpatico type of relationship. It has to be a bond where we're both thinking the same thing. We see the game the same way. And anytime you bring in somebody new, that's when it's going to take time to develop that chemistry like you saw with Derek Carr and Devontae Adams throughout their years at Fresno State and at many points this season. Stafford Route is with us. All right, I'm glad you're coming in as the former player and saying, Cofield, pump the brakes. It's a long season. Okay, that all said, there is the possibility that guys on the team aren't as level-headed as you. (laughs) I think I know where you're going with it. How worried are you about a fractured situation where guys start losing confidence. And if everyone's not moving forward in the same direction, then you may have more results like getting shut out against the Saints. So that that locker room, how worried are you? Oh, I, I think that's a very real possibility because anytime you come out the gate and you don't play well early on with a new coach, somebody that you have not been around, somebody who's built up that equity as far as that cachet where you're going to give him a pass. I mean, look at the New England Patriots. You get Bill Belichick, they can come out and go 0-16, or I'm sorry, 0-17. You still are going to believe in Bill Belichick for everything that he's actually done uh, throughout his career in this league. So when you go and you now put in a Josh McDaniels or Nathaniel Hackett, yeah, it's very easy to lose the locker room. It's very easy for players to check out on you. You come out the gate 1-3, and 0-4, oh or you just simply are not playing up to expectations. It's very, very easy for especially the, the older guys, the veteran guys, to start looking around thinking, okay, you know what? This situation, it's not set up. It's not conducive to winning. It's not conducive for me being able to perform at my highest level. So, yes, that's a very very real possibility uh, everything that you're asking me Steve yes it is something that could very well probably really turn over and really hit the nail on the head this weekend if you go ahead and you don't get a W just to go ahead and try to buy the time to go ahead and kind of uh, uh, silence the noise the fire maybe go ahead and try to find somewhat of a small extinguisher if you will but yes uh, to your point that is something that is very real on many teams right now Believe in Raiders podcast. You get Stanford Route and Dennis Ackerman for a good 35, 40 minutes every week breaking down the Raiders. I want to get to the Jags game in a second, but I want to talk about the logistics of this trip. This has turned into a long road trip now. Yes. Uh, they go to New Orleans. They decide to stay in the Southeast. They're mm-hmm. in Florida. I think they're around the IMG Academy, so in that Bradenton, Sarasota area. Yep. Is this a new thing? Like back in your playing days, did you ever have one of these trips where a coach was like, hey, we're going to you know, going to be on the East or the West Coast? I guess in your case, most times it would have been the East Coast. What do you think of these long road trips, and especially now 
that they're losing. Can it get you right, or can this actually, I guess pun intended, help you go further south? <laughs> I mean, I think that uh, that was something that probably started maybe, I want to say, in like 2015-ish, something in that area. And I think it was the, the New England Patriots was the first team I ever heard about doing that, where I believe they played the 49ers and the Seahawks in back-to-back weeks. And they basically just stayed out west rather than flying all the way back. Now, I'm of the mindset – you're, you're no longer in Oakland, California. You're in Las Vegas, Nevada. And it's probably, what, three, three-and-a-half-hour flight to, uh, to New Orleans. You could easily go ahead and fly back. I mean, it was an early game. And now, obviously, Jacksonville. So that's going to be a longer flight than it is going to New Orleans. But you can still leave on Friday night. Or, sorry, Friday afternoon. So you still have about a good four-and-a-half days in your hometown, in the bed that you sleep in, things like that. So I'm always in the mindset, if you're coast to coast, that's a different story. But Nevada, that's not exactly on the edge of California like Oakland, California is. So that right there to me is something that I think can be avoided. But I think that's also just comes down to your professional athlete. And being a professional athlete, sometimes you're going to have scheduling that doesn't necessarily bode well for everything that you want to do outside of football or outside of work. And you have to be able to adapt. You have to be able to go ahead and conform into that situation and still be able to be at your best because the Jacksonville Jaguars don't care that you haven't slept in your in your own bed since uh, before you left to go to New Orleans. They don't care about that. They're trying to get a W the same way that you are. So that's where as a professional, you get paid every Tuesday. You have to be able to endure adversity and be able to power through. You like Trevor Lawrence? He's been a not a turnover machine, but he's had some mistakes. He's got 10 touchdowns thrown, but he's also got six INTs and four lost fumbles. I think that Trevor Lawrence is – what year is Trevor Lawrence in, Steve? Second year. He's a second-year quarterback. <laughs> so, like, that's where I think that when we all look at how highly touted Trevor Lawrence was coming out of high school, when we look at how highly touted he was after his freshman year at Clemson and then so forth, and then obviously being the number one pick in the draft, that's where I think everybody starts to believe. They start to sift the Kool-Aid that he's going to be the next Joe Montana. He's going to be the next John Elway or Dan Marino. And he very well may, he very well might be. But he still got drafted to the Jacksonville Jaguars, a team that still has holes on their offense. They got holes on their defense. That's why their record is what it is. That's why Doug Peterson is now the head coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars and no longer Urban Meyer. So when you put all of that together, when you combine all of those factors, yes, you're going to see Trevor Lawrence struggle because you just said it. He's in his second year. So we can't expect this guy to go out here and play like a seasoned veteran like he is uh, Josh Allen or Pat Mahomes right now. So I think that even with him, you got to pump the brakes. But also at the same time, I'll say this. It's very different when you go to the NFL and you no longer have an offensive line that is already better than the defensive line you're playing against before you even suit up and put the pads on. It's a lot different whenever you have a receiving core that isn't automatically better than the defensive backfield that they're going against. When the running back is not automatically better than the Mike linebacker, he's going to be seen a multitude of times during the game. So whenever you're at Clemson, and even right now, Clemson, what, top five, top six in the country, they automatically walk onto the field and they're better than every other team in the ACC. Well, playing for the Jacksonville Jaguars, you don't automatically step on the field and are more superior than whoever it is you're going against every Sunday. That is probably something that is different for Trevor Lawrence. Just the the parody, no longer being the, the Goliath. Now sometimes he walks in as David. So that right there is going to take time for him to get used to. 
you talk about big boy football, right? It's adult time in the NFL. In the NFL, is there something about learning how to win? I think that's the case in college in terms of culture. Jags are right there. They're two and yeah. six. Raiders uh-huh. are two and five. Jags have lost five in a row, but uh-huh. over the course of the season, seven uh, seven points or less in games are zero and five. So I mean, yes. they're right there. Yeah, they are, and and that's where in lies the rub. You got to learn how to win football games. And I remember defense coordinator said this a long time ago: more games are lost in the NFL than are won. Translation, there's more times that you'll see a team come out victorious on the scoreboard. But it's not that they actually went out there and just got a sack force fumble on the final play or the receiver just went and mossed the corner and and just walked into the end zone or something like that. You're seeing a multitude throughout the game of miscues, turnover, penalties, blown assignments, things like that. So you're seeing more teams who lose games rather than win games, even though on the scoreboard it shows that one team was victorious, but they were just simply the recipient of the miscues by their opponent. Special teams, always a big part of winning, not always accounted for by fans. And, you know, the Raiders had the arguably the greatest punter in the history of the National Football yeah. League, and we got sad news on Thursday morning that Ray Guy passed away, you know, very young at 73 years old, uh, only punter in the Hall of Fame, Ray Guy Award named, uh, after him for best punter in college football, quite the legacy. Did you ever get to meet Ray Guy and all the alum events uh, around the Raiders? No, I actually never got to meet Ray Guy, but obviously somebody that I've always thought very highly of, you know, the only punter in the Hall of Fame. He has an award named after him, and rightfully so. So, you know, anytime there's a former Raider, obviously, that passes on, it's, it, it always causes me to reflect just be, just on how this rich legacy of talented players have come through this organization it makes me feel honored to say that I, at one point in time I was at one point in time a Raider an Oakland Raider mind you not Las Vegas Raider and it's just something that it, it just always reminds you that at the end of the day we're all humans at the end of the day we're grown men we're fathers we're brothers we're sons we're uncles uh, and it just it just goes to show that life is precious, you know, and that's why you got to live every day to the fullest. And I'm pretty sure Ray Guy did that, especially with, like I said, everything that he has accumulated as far as his achievements on the football field. And uh, my heart goes out to his family, obviously everyone within the Raider Nation organization. And uh, we'll definitely go and try to honor him the best way the best way that we can. Ray Guy, a big part of the winning, you know, turning around the field in the 70s and 80s for the Raiders, and you know that's part of why he's in the Hall of Fame. I think Christian McCaffrey could be a Hall of Famer down the road. He's got to play, you know, the rest of his career. Now that yeah. he's with a winning organization, that helps a lot. That is the most impactful move, I think, of the trade deadline. No of doubt about other, it. Of the other deals, I'll go through some of the deals, and you you pick out a couple that you know you look. Well, at I can tell you right ball. now the Bradley the Bradley Chubb one, the, Bra- the Bradley Chubb one to Miami. That's a that's going to be. I think that's going to pay dividends down the line as well. By the way, he just got a $110 million extension. Yeah, I saw that too. On, on Thursday. So there no is state income tax, mind you. Remember that. Uh, yep. Florida is lovely. So is Nevada. So is, tax, uh, so is Texas for, as far as the taxes go. Um, yeah, so Chubb and Jeff Wilson to the Dolphins. Some of the other moves. Uh, Kadarius Tony. I think more of a project for the Chiefs, but you know, maybe you think that's going to be a big impact. Naheem Hines to the Bills. Roquan Smith to the Ravens. Intriguing. Vikes get yeah. Hawkinson a tight end. Claypool to the Bears. And then... Quinn to the Eagles. Of all those moves, what's going to be the most impactful this year? Robert Quinn to the Eagles, Bradley Chubb to the Miami Dolphins, and Christian McCaffrey to the 49ers. Those are going to be the most impactful. 
And what do you think about Kadarius Tony? Is that just a roll of the dice, and you know he may be part of the mix down the yeah, road? I, I think that's just a roll of the dice. We all we already see that he clearly has ability, even from his days back at Florida. He has talent. It's just a matter of being able to put it all together. Is he going to be able to work and get on the same page with Pat Mahomes? And that's somebody who's almost kind of like of that Miko Hardman type of body type, that type of player. So that's just adding one more piece to this mix of an offense that is very high octane, even without Tariq Hill. Raiders going to beat the Jags. I definitely hope so. They're going to be down there in Jacksonville. Uh, obviously, Jacksonville has had the Raiders' number over the last several years, uh, but I think that the Raiders are going to bounce back. I think that they're going to be able to. They're going to struggle to be able to guard uh, Devontae Adams, and they're going to get back to ground and pound uh, with Josh Jacobs up the middle. And I think the Raiders are going to come out victorious. Last minute here, AFC West. Chargers got really bad news on Keenan Allen. This hamstring yeah. is still jacked up. They're favored on the road against the Falcons. I, I. I Man, I don't know that the Chargers are, are really in great shape here to to make a, a playoff run with all these injuries. No, they're not. But uh, the Falcons are up and down. Obviously, the Falcons lead the NFC South. Can you believe that uh, right now? And I think that that's why this game, to me, is a pick em. It's just a matter of what Chargers team, which Justin Herbert is going to come to show on Sunday. And I think that uh, with Marcus Mariota obviously leading the Falcons right now, he's still going to be somebody who's up and down. So it's just a matter of who's going to come to play, who's going to stand up on Sunday afternoon. And I definitely would not be surprised in any stretch if the Chargers were to win the game. But also in the same breath, I also would not uh, jump off a cliff or anything like that if I was to see them lose or, you know, from being shocked. Willis or Tannehill, a quarterback, will find out, but you think the Titans are going to get blown off the field by the Chiefs or catching 12 and a half on uh, Sunday Night Football? The Titans are sneaky good this year. They got a pretty good defense, and I would not be surprised if they're able to go and sneak the Chiefs just because we saw how the Chiefs lost to the who? Indianapolis Colts. And the Indianapolis Colts, they've already benched uh, uh, Matt Ryan for Sam Ellinger and then fired their offensive coordinator. So, uh, like I said, it's it's a week-to-week type of, type of league right now, Steve. you got teams that will play like world beaters one week and then the next week just simply lay an egg. So I would pick the Chiefs to win the game against the Tennessee Titans, but I think that it'll probably be closer than a lot of people are assuming. Good luck to your Cougars against SMU. Have fun in Dallas, and we'll talk to you next week. Appreciate you, my man. You be good. Be safe. Stanford Route, the former Oakland Raider, played eight years in the National Football League and part of the Believe in Raiders podcast. Tomorrow, ESPN Las Vegas is back at Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar, Gooch, and Willie Ramirez with Throw the Flag. You can grab breakfast before and during the college football games like the Chorizo Con Papas Breakfast Bowl, Breakfast Meat Lovers Quesadilla, Chicken Chilaquiles, and the Breakfast Sandwich. Awesome, awesome place to hang out. Bottomless mimosas, also Bloody Mary pitchers, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar for football all weekend long. Join Cofield and company on Mondays for the live 2 to 5 show at Twin Peaks in Henderson. Big beers for under four. Four bucks. Select appetizers are two, four, and six dollars. Come hang at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football. Cofield and Company presents. Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. Grab bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Thanks to Stan for Ralph for popping on with us. Willie Ramirez, Cofield, San Diego, Treasure Island, getting ready for UNLV football tomorrow. 3.30 kickoff. Check that. 3.30 pregame, 4 o'clock kickoff right here on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, Willie, what do you think? Is UNLV going to get back to winning ways and be able to pull off the uh, mild upset? It's a six-and-a-half-point spread against San Diego State. 
Is Dougie B healthy? Is he going to play? Is he starting? Is he in? I think he's mostly healthy and he's playing. Then I think that it's highly – I think that they can beat San Diego State. It's a matter of where their mental game is off of a bye week, which comes off of, you know, some disappointing losses, obviously. So um, I like the way that they lost to Notre Dame better than, obviously, the previous two losses. I think if they were flopped where they lost tough ones to conference foes and then get thumped by Notre Dame, um, I think they went into the bye with a little more confidence – so if they're healthy and they can provide a balance on offense and get both the running game and Dougie B's fully healthy, I think they can pull off the upset, whether or not they do or not. I mean, San Diego State is not its full – it's not the Aztecs this year. It's not the Aztecs we're used to, so it's, it's, it's possible. I think they're closer to what they've been in the past, and I think this new quarterback makes a big difference, Jalen Maiden is a guy that they moved over from defense. He was a former quarterback before uh, transferring from the SEC. They brought him in. He was going to play D. You know, they discovered that the quarterback mix they had just wasn't that great, and a bunch of the guys got hurt. And they had a quarterback of the future transferred. My biggest issue for UNLV is not the injury return of Brumfield or even Aiden Robbins being, you know, a little bit iffy for this game. It's the health of the defense up the middle on the defensive line, and I don't think people paid attention much to the fact that Eliel Ahimere, their best defensive lineman, didn't play against Notre Dame, didn't even make the road trip. Um, details are scant on what his injury is. And if he's not out there for at least half of the rotation on the defensive line, I think that's a lot of trouble because all of a sudden, then you've got the linebackers having to do more work because the D line isn't holding up their end of the bargain and blockers are you know, getting down to the linebackers. And in the beginning of the season, they really weren't. So LEL has to be back and has to play, I think, at least half of the plays. Otherwise, you're starting to rely on guys who just don't have as much experience and aren't as good as Eliel. And we saw that defense struggle in back-to-back conference games. So, yep. yeah, it's it's it has to be healthy and it has to be playing, you know, very strong up the middle, like you said. And, and that defensive front has to make a stand. Has it? It has to give the ball back to the offense enough times to to, to let it do what it does and and somewhat build a, a lead and sort of you know control the pace of the game get take the crowd out of it and and uh seize control if you will at an early stage of the football game too it cannot play catch up stick your hand in there dave okay do you have some food advice for me in the san diego area i have I've fantastic got, uh, I've got news dinner for tonight you. and potentially breakfast tomorrow okay i have fantastic news for you based off the locations that i've been told that you are hiding out at and the <laughs> restaurant I have been told you are roughly six minutes six oh, wow. minutes from the El Dorado authentic Mexican food restaurant on Palomar in Chula Vista 311 okay. Palomar Street you are six minutes from there I'll expect a review when you join me oh you're I'll expect you. You know what? I expect you to change all plans for tonight. No, I want to know about it tomorrow. Oh, okay. Tonight, I need to send you a review after dinner. What? No, you can go there tonight. When you said you have dinner tonight, did you mean you got to go for dinner tonight somewhere, or do you so already I have, have plans? Two, I have I have two meals left uh, tonight. I was planning on doing Italian uh, oh. with the UNLV broadcaster crew, but we'll see. Maybe uh, you know you're highly recommending this place. Maybe I go back to back Mexican today. It comes from authenticity. So what I was going to say is if you go there tonight, then I'll hear the review when you come on with Gooch and I tomorrow for Throw the Flag. Otherwise, we'll talk about it Monday. Good reminder. Good reminder.
I almost forgot. I was well, on you're tomorrow. Star- you're the star. Forget D. Brown and Angela no. Johnson. No. You're the star tomorrow. Uh, yeah, give a pop for it. 9 o'clock tomorrow, another Throw the Flag show at Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. You and Gooch, who are the guests? We have comedian Angela Johnson, notorious for her nail salon bit and ra- former Raiderette, Angela Johnson. She'll be here at Treasure Island performing Friday, November 11th. Or, uh, is it the 11th? Yeah. So she's coming on with us tomorrow. And then also former slam dunk champ D. Brown, former Boston Celtic. He'll be on also in the first hour. Angela in the second. Stick your hand in there, Dave. NFL picks this weekend. First of all, what are you doing with the Raiders and the Jags in terms of a pick? The number has uh, kind of toggled between it was one and a half yesterday. The Raiders favored. I'm seeing two and a half favored at the Jags. Yeah, I'm I, I'm scared to play the game. I would much rather play the total. I like it under. I think that you're going to see a smash-mouth game. I think that the Raiders have to get back to the run game. they got to control their possessions better. They have to have those elongated possessions that show them success in two victories. And, you know, by doing that, and in Jacksonville sort of, Jacksonville sort of playing a methodical game on offense, I think, you know, you're just going to see a low-scoring game. I think 48 is too much for these two teams um, in based on how they succeed on offense. So I like that game, uh, those that particular total under. I'm not playing the side. Total is 47 and a half. Yeah, it's everywhere. I mean, it's I'm, I'm seeing different numbers. I see 48. I see 48s okay. across the board. Um, I don't have my sheet in front of me. I did have it. My my uh, my engineer over here, James, had my sheets in front of me, but I'm not sure what happened. I think the girl cleaned up. Stick but, your hand uh, in there, Dave. Okay. Ari's like, move on. Uh, okay. We'll, we'll follow his lead. Uh, Buccaneers and Rams, what do you want to do with this one? We got uh, Bucks three. I'm going to take the Bucks. I'm going to lay the points with Tampa Bay. Um, I said this a couple Thursdays ago, but I think now is the time. Tom Brady came out after the Thursday night loss. He's had time to sort of distance himself from the off-field you know, drama that he was dealing with 24 hours after that loss. The divorce was final, so he can focus on football. Uh, I, I think Tampa Bay is getting healthy in the right spots. Um, they've had time off to prepare. And – the Rams are going to be – I mean, that depleted offensive line is going to struggle against Tampa Bay's defensive front. So I think this is a great spot for Tampa Bay, getting the Rams across country. And I think the Buccaneers, if you look at the, the complexion of these two teams, I think that Tampa Bay is better suited to make a, a run from midseason to the late season to, to sneak into the playoffs than the Rams do. The Rams, I think, got serious problems. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Bills are 11.5 at the Jets. I'm taking your boys. I like the double digits oh, really? at home. Okay. Yeah, I do. Um, I think they're going to avenge its first loss in five weeks, a five-point set book to the, back to the Patriots. Now, can they win outright? No, I don't know. But I'm not going to ignore the Jets' defense. You know, they know that this is the most important game of their season to date. They went into Green Bay and held Aaron Rodgers to 10 points. No, the Packers aren't the Bills, as we're seeing. But nobody expected the Jets to play like that in a rugged environment. Um, this is an important division game. And with a team that's over-exceeding expectations. So they're not about to lay down just because this is a Bills. And let me point out, the Bills' offense has scored 27 or less in four of its last five games. The lone outburst coming in a 38-3 win over Pittsburgh. So since their two-point loss in Miami, the Bills have won by three, 35 over Pittsburgh, and then four and 10. So I'm not buying them coming into this stadium and winning by double digits. Stick your hand in there, Dave. 
My favorite pick is Falcons plus the points against the Chargers. Chargers, bottom six run defense, 137 yards allowed per game. Falcons, run-based team. And on offense, I don't think Joe Lombardi's going to figure it out. He couldn't figure it out with most of the weapons around. Now they're down more weapons. No Keenan Allen, no Mike Williams. Can they actually push the ball down the field? Can they find a way to do it? They haven't to this point. Back in the bag one more time. Stick your hand in there, Dave. So UNLV football tomorrow, 4 o'clock kickoff. Reminder, Monday is a big day for UNLV basketball. The Lady Rebels play at 5.15. The men play at 7.15. And we'll have the game on ESPN Las Vegas, 6.45 pregame for that one with Curtis Terry and John Sandler. And actually, John Von Tobel will be working the sidelines for that one. I'll be over on Fox 5.2 and Cox 125. Actually, both the ladies and the men are on local TV. So very cool. Very cool. Thanks to Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar for hosting the show. Good job, Ari, pulling it together. We'll see you.